You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for January 8th, 2023, the first Sunday after the Epiphany. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend Elizabeth Garnsey. It's based on Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Well, I don't know how many of you actually use Siri on your phones, but recently Apple announced a plan to simplify Siri by taking the word hey out of the trigger phrase. So you don't have to say, hey, Siri, you'll be able to say Siri when you ask it something. But it turns out it's a pretty complicated project requiring enormous amounts of AI training and engineering to make such a simple sounding change. Well, reading this article reminded me of a time about 10 years ago when I was in an Apple store on the Upper West Side of New York, right around the time Siri was first being introduced as a, as a feature of the iPhone. And I overheard someone from Apple's Genius Bar, back when those were pretty new also, demonstrating how Siri worked for a group of teenage girls. And I listened in as the Apple genius asked the phone questions. Hey Siri, who's the king of Spain? Siri replied, Juan Carlos I. That was true 10 years ago. When is the next train from Penn Station to Washington, D.C.? And very human-like, Siri answered, let me check. 5.39 p.m. The girls were awed and amazed, as I was, the interloper. And the next question, where's the nearest Starbucks? Columbus Avenue near 67th Street, she said. And shifting gears, the Apple guy asked Siri, hey, Siri, do you love me? And Siri answered, I am not capable of love. <laughs> it was an eerie, self-aware answer. I could never forget it. Siri was so personable, it might as well have said, listen, it's not you, it's me. I'm just not capable of love. I don't actually use Siri myself, but when I hear people saying, hey, Siri, this, and hey, Siri, that, it's as if they're just shooting the breeze with a pal, or at least with a personal assistant with whom they have a real relationship. And I will go as far as to say that most of us are sort of emotionally dependent upon our devices, judging by the hours and hours of time and attention that we give to them, and the volume of answers and information, and the sense of connection that they actually give us. It is, in fact, a relationship it's just not a relationship that is capable of love. All this is reminiscent of the way many people, many religious people, approach God by talking to God and expecting direct answers, but stopping short of any expectation of love. Many are highly likely to be disappointed in this kind of prayer and give up. How many people do give up on prayer? or never really try it because they think it doesn't work. Maybe they just have the wrong idea about prayer or the wrong idea about God. Prayer is not a Q&A kind of exchange, and God is not a device we can turn to for straight answers about our lives. God is not like Siri at all. We cannot program God to say the things that we want to hear. And God is capable of love. God is love, and everything we need to know about ourselves is that God is love, and God loves us and all of creation with a perfect, primal, and all-encompassing love. The late Dutch theologian and Catholic priest, Henry Nouwen, 
once gave a riveting sermon at the Crystal Cathedral, of all places, in Garden Grove, California. It was about the baptism of Jesus and about this voice from heaven that calls Jesus God's son, the beloved, with whom God is well pleased. Nowen says that this, in fact, is the declaration made to every single one of us. We are, each and every one, the beloved children of God. The biggest question that we spend our lives trying to answer is, who am I? Who are we? This is the question that drives us in our lives. But, Nowen says, we largely miss the true answer. We fail to claim our identity as beloved sons, daughters, children of God. And instead, we're thrown up and down emotionally throughout our lives because we look to three major other areas of life as the mistaken sources of our identity. We think, I am what I do. I am what others say about me. And I am what I have. We point to all our trophies and accomplishments, or more negatively, we fixate on our failures and shortcomings as if that is who we are. We worry about other people's opinions and comments about us, which are incredibly powerful, whether their estimation is positive or negative. Other people's words about us can cut us deeply or make us incredibly affirmed. But even if hundreds or thousands cheer us on, it only takes one naysayer to ruin your mood and take away your self-esteem when this is where we're looking for validation. When we think we are what we have, we cling to our belongings or to the good or even to the harmful people in our lives or to our position or our job. When we look to these things to answer that question, who am I, we're bound to be tossed up and down. Our sense of survival depends upon us holding on to our successes, our good name, and to things and people, lest we lose our very selves when these things are lost to us. A life lived this way is exhausting, and we ultimately miss the true answer to our deepest question of who we are. We miss out ultimately on the abiding and quiet confidence, the inner peace, and above all the love that we long for in our lives. Henry Nouwen says that when death comes, as it does for us all, that's the end of what we can do. That's the end of us worrying about what people can say and the end of what we have. In death, we lose it all. Who are we then? Life is short and much too short to get the answer to this question wrong. Who are we? Who am I? Who are you? We are each the beloved child of God in whom God delights. Just as God says it about Jesus in his baptism, that human child of Mary, God says it about us too. Jesus' deep awareness of this reality, this love and intimate relationship with God the Father, is what allows Jesus to live boldly and lovingly, no matter what happens to him. It's what allows him to affect love and healing and justice 
while moving through a world that rejects him, scorns him, and ultimately kills him. He knows that he is God's beloved son, blessed, broken, and given to us so we might also take our place as Christ in the world, God's beloved children in whom he is well pleased. This is who we are, beloved of God, and when we come to realize the depth and truth of this identity for ourselves, we become free to love others, free and courageous to seek healing and justice in the world, and more ready to forgive our rejections and losses and pains and mistreatments that we experience. We will still have these things, but they won't throw us into despair and meaninglessness. Because what we do and what other people say about us and what we have are not who we are. Over the Christmas holiday, I visited my family in Colorado and had a great dinner with my sister Jenny and her husband Tim, who together have raised four fantastic children. And Tim told me that years ago, one of his kids was going through a very rough time. And Tim spent many sleepless nights out in his living room thinking, and writing and praying about what to do as a father to this child. And he began to ask himself, what did he really want from her? What did he really expect from her? And he had an epiphany, no better word for it than in this season of epiphany. And the insight that he had was that all he really wanted with his child and from his child was a relationship. No matter what she did, no matter what missteps, what, whatever opportunities might pass her by, he never wanted to be in a position of estrangement. He wanted to be able to be with her through it all. He wanted a relationship where she would have coffee with him and talk about it, so he could be with her through whatever ups and downs and choices she made in her life, regardless of what they might be. And as my brother-in-law was telling me this, I could feel the truth of what he was saying. And then he said, the epiphany changed everything about the way he saw his children and about the way he saw being a father to them. But it also changed everything about the way he thought about God and about the scriptures and about his faith from that day on. He realized that all God really wants from any of us is a relationship. God loves us and delights in us. God is well pleased with us, his beloved children. Yes, we have our full potentials to live up to. We are all born to do amazing things, say amazing things, have things said about us, and have things and experiences. But God's love for us does not depend on anything we do or on anything people say about us or on anything we have. And when we settle into this knowledge, the way we see the world changes. We can forgive those who love us imperfectly. We can forgive ourselves for loving imperfectly and humbly try again. We can begin to live more and more freely into all that we are created to be, children of God, beloved and inseparable from that love. In a moment, we will baptize these beautiful children, Henry, Perrin, and Jack. These are God's beloved children in whom God is well pleased. And we will affirm our own baptisms with that same declaration. 
And I pray that in this season of Epiphany, this will be the revelation that we all receive, that we are God's beloveds, and that love, that the relationship is capable of love and will enable us to love in ways we can never imagine. Amen. sermons on our website, www.stmarksnewcanon.org.